0: Imagine trying to build a piece of furniture with no instructions
1: Or even trying to remember your grandma's recipe from scratch without a recipe
0: Now imagine the world has ended Those few that are left have to rebuild society An instruction manual could come in handy
1: That was the thinking for the residents of Elberton, Georgia in 1979
0: this town is home to six large slabs of granite sitting in the middle of a grassy field in an X shape. These stones are massive,
1: standing at approximately 19 feet in height. With one capstone piece of granite sitting on top and one piece of granite acting as a central pillar, these stones are sometimes referred to as the American Stonehenge or the Georgia Guidestones. Each of these stones have unusual engravings. Some believe these are guidelines to rebuild society
0: in the event of an apocalypse. But thanks to instructions like Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature, some believe the stones have threatening, satanic origins, encouraging the destruction of most of humanity. It's even been called the Ten Commandments of the Antichrist.
1: The construction of these stones began one hot summer in 1979. A strange man appeared in Elberton, Georgia, seeking the ideal location for his granite monument that would ensure humanity's survival.
0: This mysterious man went by the pseudonym of R.C. Christian. To this day, only one person knows his true identity. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a ParCast original. I'm Carter Roy.
1: And I'm Molly Brandenburg. Every Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. Neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. Mm,
0: But sometimes it's not.
1: You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Conspiracy Theories for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar.
0: Well, at ParCast, we are grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at Parcast Network.
1: This is our first episode on the Georgia Guidestones, a strange monument located in Elbert County, Georgia. The massive granite stones attract 10,000 tourists per year, in part because they're visually arresting. But the contents of their engravings is even more intriguing, and the mysterious secrecy surrounding their construction, most interesting of all.
0: Now this week, we'll discuss the facts surrounding the Georgia Guide Stones, the strange process through which they were constructed, and the controversy that surrounded them.
1: Next week, we'll delve into some of the conspiracy theories surrounding the man and the group who designed these stones. We'll explore some potential intentions in their message, as well as some modern interpretations of what they might mean.
0: The Georgia Guidestones are located in a grassy field not too far from downtown Elberton, Georgia, off Highway 77. At first glance, they can be daunting. At 19 feet and 3 inches, they loom over the green grassy field. If you were to visit today, you'd probably see a metal fence surrounding the stones as they're a common target of graffiti.
1: The stones are arranged in an X shape with one central pillar and four stones that fan out from the middle with a capstone on top. An engraving on the top capstone is written in four ancient languages, Babylonian, Classical Greek, Sanskrit, and Ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics.
0: When translated to English, the top capstone reads, Let these be guidestones to an age of reason. The four other stones are also engraved on both sides. Unlike the capstone, this text is written in eight different languages, English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian.
1: And on these particular stones are the ten guidelines.
0: Number one. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature.
1: Number two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity.
0: Number three,
1: unite humanity with a living new language. Number four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason.
0: Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and
1: just courts. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Number eight, balance personal
0: rights with social duties. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite.
1: And finally, number ten, be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature leave room for nature.
0: To the west of the monument, there is another granite tablet that sits in the grass. This tablet outlines some of the most unique and odd features of the Guidestones.
1: It reads, Astronomic features. 1. Channel through stone indicates celestial pole. 2. Horizontal slot indicates annual travel of sun. 3. Sunbeam through capstone marks noontime throughout the year. It is signed, Author R.C. Christian, a pseudonym.
0: The word pseudonym is spelled incorrectly with an N at the end of the word as opposed to an M.
1: The next line of the tablet reads, Sponsors, a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason.
0: And lastly, it mentions a time capsule placed six feet below this spot. Normally, a plaque that commemorates a time capsule indicates a date for when that capsule should be opened.
1: But the granite tablet does not specify a date for this time capsule to be opened.
0: The time capsule is just one of many questions surrounding these stones. Before we delve into the spiral of theories that seek to answer these questions, let's look at what we do know for certain. We'll start our discussion on the day the secretive R.C. Christian first appeared in the town of Elberton, Georgia.
1: Elberton, Georgia is self-proclaimed to be the granite capital of the world. The Guidestones are far from the only granite-constructed wonder within the city limits. The city prides itself on monuments such as the 20,000-seat Granite Bowl, which is the playing venue for the Blue Devils, Elberton's local football team.
0: Elberton is located in Elbert County in northern Georgia, one town over from South Carolina. Its population is approximately 4,500 people within four square miles of the city proper. The saga of the Guidestones all began on what seemed like an average summer day in Elbert County.
1: One quiet, hot Friday afternoon in June of 1979, a man entered the office of Joe H. Fenley Sr., president of the Alberton Granite Finishing Corporation. He introduced himself as R.C. Christian.
0: The first thing Fenley noticed was Christian's attire. He was wearing an expensive suit, clearly dressed to impress but it was Christian's passionate description of an ambitious building project that really grabbed Fenley's attention. Christian's fervor was, Fenley noted, kooky.
1: Christian wanted to build a monument to the conservation of mankind, and he wanted Fenley and his team to be the ones to build it.
0: But Christian's kookiness was not confined to his excitement about his strange project, Early on in their conversation, he revealed to Fenley that R.C. Christian was not his real name. To explain his choice of a false identity, Christian claimed to be representing not just himself, but a group of anonymous people. He said they were a small group of loyal Americans who believe in God. R.C. Christian was the name that spoke for all of them.
1: He specified they were not Georgia natives and just wanted to leave a message for future generations. This project was their most important work. They had been working on the plans for it for 20 years.
0: At first, Fenley did not take Christian seriously. He wondered if this was a joke that one of his friends or co-workers was playing on him.
1: But as Christian started going into the details of this monument, Fenley's ears perked up. Christian seemed intelligent, and his confidence in the reality of this monument was impressive. Fenley started taking notes, beginning to wonder if Christian was for real.
0: They went through the specifications together, and Fenley put together a rough estimate for the project. He explained a monument this size had never been constructed in Elberton before and gave Christian a cost estimate of at least six figures, explaining the amount of
1: resources this project would require. After giving his high quote, Fenley watched Christian carefully, wondering if the reality of the numbers would end the game.
0: But Christian was not deterred. Instead, he requested the address of a local bank.
1: Fenley gave Christian the address of the Granite City Bank with an internal shrug, half expecting to never see this so-called R.C. Christian again, but vaguely hoping that he would.
0: Christian, following Fenley's directions, made his journey through Georgia's June heat to the Granite City Bank and the office of the bank president, Wyatt C. Martin.
1: When Christian approached Martin, he gave the same pitch that he did to Fenley, describing his ambitious monument with excitement. Martin echoed Fenley's skepticism. He explained a project of this scale had never been attempted in Elberton before.
0: While Fenley was worried about the money, Martin was more concerned about the secrecy of Christian and his group's identity. In response to this skepticism, Christian said... The group feels by having our identity remain secret, it will not distract from the monument and its meaning. The message, to be inscribed on the stones, is to all mankind and is non-sectarian, nor nationalistic, nor in any sense political. The stones must speak for themselves to all who take note and should appeal to believers and non-believers, wherever and at all times."
1: Martin was curious, but he still didn't understand why a monument like this was necessary. It was a waste of money, he said.
0: But Christian simply shook his head and insisted, you don't understand.
1: Then he compared the Georgia Guidestones to Stonehenge. He explained that he had traveled and visited many monuments throughout Europe, and Stonehenge particularly resonated with him.
0: Christian and his group of anonymous sponsors had put together a note explaining the importance of Stonehenge in relation to building their guidestones. It read, Stonehenge and other vestiges of human thought arouse our curiosity but carry no message for our guidance. To convey our ideas across time to other human beings, we want to erect a monument— a cluster of graven stones, which will silently display our ideas when we have gone. We hope they will merit increasing acceptance, and that through their silent persistence, they will hasten in a small degree the coming age of reason."
1: It may have been the message or perhaps the expensive suit, but Christian's confidence and intelligence impressed Martin. If Christian provided a deposit, Martin agreed to act as the financial intermediary for the project under one other condition. He wanted to know Christian's true identity.
0: Well, this is the question that's still on our minds today. While nobody but Martin knows Christian's real name, we do know a few facts about R.C.
1: Christian. He claimed to have served in World War II. He described himself as being a patriotic American in every sense of the word. Perhaps it was the patriotism or just Christian's pure confidence, but this gave Martin the reassurance he needed to give his stamp of approval to the project.
0: Christian left Martin's office that Friday afternoon, agreeing to come back with the money and the necessary paperwork. He had not yet revealed his identity.
1: Over the course of the weekend, Martin and Fenley discussed their mutual meetings with this strange man, who seemed to appear out of nowhere. Both of them were impressed by Christian's expensive clothing and his educated speech, as well as his clear passion for the project.
0: But Fenley was still worried
1: that Christian wouldn't be able to put his money where his mouth was. Once the weekend was over, some days went by with no sign of Christian. Fenley started going back to his original theory that someone had played a prank on him.
0: A few days later, however, Christian returned. He approached Martin with a deposit and a non-disclosure agreement for Martin to sign, stating he would never reveal Christian's true identity. The agreement also stipulated that Martin would destroy any information pertaining to the construction and development of the project after it was completed, Martin signed the forms.
1: In regards to the financial deposit, Christian sent Martin money from multiple banks across the United States so that he could not be traced. It was clear this man was serious about his secrecy.
0: But he did seem to have the money to pay for the stones. Fenley agreed to start on the project, and he never inquired further about Christian's real name nor the truth behind his anonymous group. It wasn't his business, as long as he was getting paid for his work.
1: To this day, as far as we're aware, Wyatt C. Martin is the only one who knows the true name of R.C. Christian. And per his agreement, he never shared that name. But Martin kept the secret for a more ominous reason than legal liability.
0: When asked why, year after year, he kept Christian's identity a secret, Martin said... They could put a gun to my head and kill me. I will never reveal his name. In my age and profession, you stick by a promise of confidentiality."
1: But Christian's identity isn't the only secret hidden around the Georgia Guidestones.
0: Coming up, we'll delve into the site the stones were built on and Christian's specific requirements for construction.
1: Now, back to the story. In June 1979, a man working under the pseudonym of R.C. Christian made a deposit to the Granite City Bank. The money was to go toward an ambitious project, a kind of granite-constructed monument. The bank's president, Wyatt C. Martin, agreed to act as a financial intermediary on the project, and Joe Fenley Sr., President of the Elberton Granite Finishing Corporation, agreed to make the Georgia Guide Stones a reality.
0: With a ten thousand dollar deposit in the bank, and Martin's financial go-ahead, Fenley and his company officially started working on the construction of the stones in the summer of
1: 1979. In total, these stones have been estimated to cost about three hundred thousand dollars. That's approximately one million in today's dollars. Though no one knew how Christian had become so wealthy, he seemed unworried about the cost.
0: But after 20 years of preparation for the stones, Christian and his group were ready to pay the steep price.
1: The material Christian approved for the stones was Pyramid Blue Granite from Fenley's Pyramid Quarry. When the miners started on the project, they pointed out that it would be almost impossible to move these enormous stones out of the quarry hole.
0: But Fenley was up to attempt the impossible. As Fenley's daughter Melissa Fenley Caruso would later explain, my daddy loved a challenge. And he said this was the most challenging project in the history of Elbert County.
1: Fenley individually hired specific craftsmen and crews to work solely on the monument. It took weeks to quarry each piece of pyramid blue granite. Over the course of nine months, the team trimmed away four tons of matter from each stone.
0: While Fenley and his company began their enormous undertaking, it was up to Martin to help scout potential sites to place the stones. Christian had requested an area that was visible to the public, but not so central it would become a tourist attraction.
1: According to Christopher Kubas, vice president of the Elberton Granite Association, Christian's initial plan was to place the stone in southern Georgia.
0: Christian had chosen Georgia for a few reasons. He mentioned his great-grandmother was from Georgia, and Georgia's mild climate would protect the longevity of the stones. But most importantly, he gravitated towards the natural wealth of
1: granite. He was attracted to the south of the state because the land was flatter. Christian felt this landscape would lend the stones the most visibility.
0: But Martin convinced Christian that shipping the stones to the south of the state was an unnecessary waste of resources. Plus, Martin explained that historically, local Cherokee considered an area near Elberton, which they called Ayeli Alohi, the center of the world. this got Christian's attention. He agreed to let Martin find a location for the stones in the land around Elberton.
1: Martin scouted out one plot of land in particular that impressed Christian.
0: Wayne and Mildred Mullinex owned a family farm that included a grassy grazing field.
1: This grassy field was perfect. It was near a road, so it was easy to access, but not too close to the town center. And the land was flat, perfect for visibility.
0: Well, some have pointed out that the connection between the plot and the number 7 may have attracted Christian as well. It is located off Highway 77. It's next to Double Seven Farm. It's 7.2 miles away from Elberton proper and 7.8
1: miles from Hartwell. But whatever his reasons, Christian accepted Martin's choice and went to make the Mullenexes an offer for their land. He
0: offered them an agreement in which they were allowed two generations of grazing rights surrounding
1: the stones, but the stones would be forever housed on the grassy land. For $5,000, Molinick signed over the five-acre plot of land.
0: With the money set and the land acquired, it was time for Christian to disappear.
1: He bid Findlay one last farewell at his office once all the pieces were set in motion that summer of 1979. Before leaving, he said, You'll never see me again. And just as suddenly as he had appeared that June afternoon, he disappeared into thin air. Moving forward with the project, all future communication from Christian was conveyed through Martin.
0: In regard to their future conversations, Martin said, All of Mr. Christian's correspondence came from different cities around the country. He never sent anything
1: from the same place twice. But Christian made sure his monument would be made exactly as he wanted it, even without him there to oversee its construction.
0: He left Fenley and Martin a wooden miniature model of the stones. As well as ten pages of detailed specifications for the design
1: in that ten page list of specifications, there were details Fenley himself could not implement. Fenley specifically needed help when it came to the orientation of the stones with regards to the sun's migration. After all, Fenley specialized in granite, not astronomy. Well,
0: per Christian's request, the center column had to contain two peculiar features. The first feature was a hole in the stone where one could see the north star at all times. To make it accessible, this hole
1: had to be at eye level. The second feature was a slot that aligned with the position of the rising sun during solstices and equinoxes. The specifications also demanded an aperture. The goal was for a
0: beam of light to be able to pass through at noon each day. This would serve as a calendar for each day of the year.
1: The idea was for the stones to act as a sundial, where you would be able to tell the time.
0: Fenley had to seek the help of an astronomer from the University of Georgia to bring Christian's design to life, and word spread that the stones would function as a primitive observatory. But astronomers in recent years haven't been so impressed.
1: In 2013, astronomer Loris Magnani of the University of Georgia explained, I visited the guidestones in order to see if they really could function as an observatory, which Stonehenge could have. The guidestones are an abacus compared to Stonehenge's computer. They're very ordinary. You could do the same thing with concrete in your backyard. To see the North Star, which is at a latitude of 34 degrees, you just drill a hole due north at a 34-degree angle. The hardest part is drilling the concrete. As an astronomer, I can tell you there's nothing much there.
0: Still, Fenley built the stones as instructed, following Christian's simple astrological specifications. Once the correct dimensions of the stones were cut, it was time for the engravings.
1: In late 1979, Fendley hired sandblaster Charlie Clamp to etch the 4,000 individual letters into the stone, which required hundreds of hours to complete. The first stone alone took three weeks to engrave.
0: As the weeks passed, citizens of Elberton became curious as to what the message inscribed was going to be. After all, this was a time-consuming endeavor. When word of the Ten Guidelines got out...
1: The rumors started. Some whispered that there was no R.C. Christian at all, and Fenley and Martin were behind the stones. They claimed that these two men were just looking for some attention and had crafted a mysterious persona to build on the mystique of the stones.
0: But if that's the case, then where did the money come from? And why the cryptic guidelines?
1: Reverend James Travenstead, a trusted local minister, was one of the first skeptics to voice his opinions. Given the ten guidelines, he predicted, someday a sacrifice will take place here. He thought the stones were the work of Satanists.
0: Many agreed with Reverend Travenstead and requested all work on the stones be halted. They accused Martin
1: of being part of an occult movement. In an attempt to dispel these rumors, both Fenley and Martin agreed to take a lie detector test at the Elberton Civic Center to prove they weren't Satanists. Although they both passed their tests, the true story caused even more stir among Elberton's residents. The local citizens were worried about what the ramifications of a monument like this would mean for their town. Weeks before the unveiling ceremony was scheduled, Many accused Martin of collaborating on Devil's work and begged him to halt construction. But Martin and Fenley continued on, determined to finish what they had started.
0: 951 cubic feet of granite and 237,746 pounds later, the Georgia Guidestones were completed in March of 1980. The unveiling took place on March 22nd.
1: Roughly 400 people gathered to watch, attentively staring at the black veils hiding the stones. A few television crews from Atlanta even came to document the event. The mayor, Jack Wheeler, and Congressman Doug Bernard Jr. led the ceremony.
0: In a dramatic gesture, Mayor Wheeler and Congressman Bernard whipped off the stone's black covering, and thus the Georgia Stones were officially revealed to the public.
1: William G. Hutton, the president of the Monument Builders of North America, spoke about the legacy of the stones. The Guidestones are what may be one of the few lasting mementos of a civilization that some thousands of years hence may not exist. It would be very interesting to hear the remarks if some future residents of that far-off time, say in the year 3586, happens upon them and deciphers one or more of the stones and says something like, I wonder what went wrong here.
0: Reverend James Travenstead was also in attendance, but he maintained his hostility toward the stones. He said, Look what it says about the unity of the world, especially with the world court. That's where the Antichrist will unite the governments of the world under his power, the power of the devil. I think they will find this monument is for sun worshipers,
1: for cult worship and devil worship. R.C. Christian, however, was nowhere to be found. If he was in attendance, nobody saw him. But he did leave a statement with Martin, which was meant to be read aloud to explain the purpose of these stones part of Christian's statement
0: explained. Our message is in some areas controversial. We have chosen to remain anonymous in order to avoid debate and contention, which might confuse our meaning and which might delay a considered review of our
1: thoughts. This statement echoes the beliefs of a book titled Common Sense Renewed, written and self-published by none other than R.C. Christian.
0: Coming up, we'll delve into Common Sense Renewed and the statement R.C. Christian left with the stones, in addition to some of the aftermath in the wake of their construction. And now back to the story.
1: On March 22, 1980, the Georgia Guidestones were unveiled to a public audience of roughly 400 people. R.C. Christian, who commissioned these stones, was conspicuously absent. He did, however, send a statement to be read aloud, as well as a book entitled Common Sense Renewed, which he had written and self-published. In his statement, Christian said that other stones could be erected in the outer circles to mark the migrations of the moon and possibly other celestial events. Although his anonymous group of sponsors had given the financial support for the six pillars of granite constructed, his statement made it clear he had hoped this message would inspire the construction of other stones. The speech
0: ended as follows. With the completion of the central cluster of the Georgia Guidestones, our small sponsoring group has disbanded. We leave the monument in the safekeeping of the people of Elbert County, Georgia. If our inscribed words are dimmed by the wear of wind and sun and time— we ask that you cut them deeper. If the stone should fall, or if they be scattered by people of little understanding, we ask that you will raise them up again. We invite our fellow human beings in all nations to reflect on our simple message. When these goals are someday sought by the generality of mankind, a rational world order can be achieved for all.
1: In addition to this speech, Christian also sent 100 copies of his book, Common Sense Renewed, to the unveiling. The book echoes the message explained in the statement, but is significantly longer at 124 pages.
0: Christian requested these books to be given to anyone who made significant contributions to the construction of the stones. They were printed by the Graphic Publishing Company in Lake Mills, Iowa, in 1986.
1: This book goes hand-in-hand with the mission statement of the stones. Christian cites Thomas Paine's common sense as his inspiration.
0: The last few paragraphs of the book's preface read as follows. Collective human intelligence is capable of discovering acceptable solutions for the problems which confront us. We must work together to direct political and moral influences through channels of wisdom, not channels of brute force or ambition. Using common sense as our guide, we must unite with the entire human family in establishing a limited world government capable of settling international disputes through a system of law we must establish as a parallel objective the building of an enduring balance between human activities and the world of nature. These will be the first steps in creating an enduring age of reason.
1: Despite the backlash the Stones received by people Christian would deem of little understanding, there were also a number of supporters of the Stones. Joe H. Findlay himself was proud of the accomplishment. He said, I think this is a unique thing for Elberton and the whole state. It is something we can all be proud of, and people will marvel at it centuries from now.
0: Only time will tell if these stones last centuries, but they have drawn spectators from around the world for the past 40 years. From the beginning, some have claimed a certain
1: kind of energy can be felt when near the stones. In 1980, Noni Wright Backelder attended the unveiling. She was a self-proclaimed psychic who attended because she truly believed there was something magical about these stones.
0: Multiple visitors have noted feeling a strong energy when visiting these stones, which might explain a large part of their appeal. During construction, even sandblaster Charlie Clamp said he heard strange music and disjointed voices when he was carving the stones
1: in response to this energy fenley stated this is just another of the mysteries surrounding the georgia guidestones and their purpose
0: in recent years many elbert county citizens have started to echo fenley's support and pride of the stones The Stones attract thousands of visitors, which brings business to the county, so it's no surprise they've won over local businesses. But given their growing popularity, the Stones are often the victim of graffiti.
1: Throughout the years, the Stones have faced red spray paint messages such as The elite want 80% of us dead. 9-11, inside job. Death to the New World Order, and Council on Foreign Relations is ran by the devil.
0: In other instances, the stones were sprayed with polyurethane, which is difficult to clean.
1: In response to the vandalization of the stones, Gary Jones, publisher of the Elberton Star, a local newspaper, said there was a general feeling of disgust. Those stones have stood there for 30 years without disturbing anyone. They're a good thing for the community.
0: In September of 2014, there was another vandalization. An anonymous penman scrawled, I banish all darkness. I am Isis, goddess of love. In response to this specific instance, someone from the Elbert County Maintenance Department notified the FBI about the vandalization.
1: In an interview with the New York Times, former Elberton Granite Association employee Hudson Cohn said, To some, it's the holiest spot on earth. To others, it's a monument to the devil.
0: Today, many citizens of Elberton are in support of the stones. After all, they're a popular tourist attraction and they attract on average 10,000 visitors per year, which brings in customers for the city.
1: There are a few prominent supporters of the stones. Most notable is Yoko Ono, widow of musician John Lennon. In 1993, she composed a song called Georgia Stone for a tribute album for composer John Cage. In the song, Ono chants, Be not a cancer on earth, leave room for nature, which is the 10th guide engraved on the stones.
0: In her fervent support for the Georgia Guidestones, Yoko Ono said, I want people to know about the stones. We're headed toward a world where we might blow ourselves up and maybe the globe will not exist. It's a nice time to reaffirm ourselves, knowing all the beautiful things that are in this country and the Georgia Stones symbolize
1: that. Regardless of the support or controversy surrounding the stones, the speculation over the monument leaves an abundance of unanswered questions the georgia guidestones were constructed nearly 40 years ago and it doesn't seem like any of these questions are any closer to being answered
0: but there are many theories that seek to put the puzzle pieces together to help us solve this mystery
1: we'll dive into the most prominent ones next week
0: our first theory is that rc christian belongs to a satanic society related to the new world order This theory focuses on the mysterious time capsule hidden among the stones.
1: Our second theory is that R.C. stands for Rosy Cross, which is an emblem of the Rosicrucian order. The Rosicrucians are a group that studies the metaphysical laws of the universe. Believers in this theory think R.C. Christian was granted the elixir of life. And our third theory, which
0: is the most common, is that R.C. Christian was part of a group paranoid about a Soviet invasion. The stones were built in the midst of the Cold War, when this kind of paranoia was common and the idea of a doomsday hitting the United States felt like a plausible reality.
1: If one of the three people who knows Christian's identity would speak publicly, all these theories would be put to rest. But Martin, now 88, has chosen to remain silent.
0: Joe H. Fenley, the only other man to have claimed direct contact with Christian, passed away on May 30, 2005.
1: And the third man, R.C. Christian himself, is nowhere to be found. For years, Christian and Martin continued their communication via letters, which, according to Martin, stopped in 2001, around the time of 9-11.
0: The murmur around these stones is veiled in the mysteries surrounding Christian.
1: And those mysteries have led to the conspiracy theories we'll delve further into in next week's episode.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories.
1: Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Conspiracy Theories, for free from your phone, desktop, or a smart speaker.
0: To stream Conspiracy Theories on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar.
1: Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story.
0: And the official story isn't always the truth.
1: Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Monisha Dadlani and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.